Would you all pray with me? Lord, we are so grateful that you send us your spirit, that you animate us with your living presence, and that you give us your peace. Lord, I pray for all of those present and those watching far off that you would overshadow them with your presence, with your spirit. And I pray all of this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Well, this is a, a, a strange day to be a, a, a preacher. There's so much going on in the world. And uh, I just want to confess to you at the beginning, while I, I'm tempted to, to speak about present goings-on here or in Minneapolis or elsewhere, I, I trust that the church calendar will actually guide us. I trust that Pentecost is a day that the Lord has for us to hear about his spirit and to be guided by his presence. And I do think that his, uh, the word of the Lord does uh, touch into our lives, and we'll, we'll get to that. But more than anything, I trust that uh, the Spirit is here in his word, and that he will guide us into all truth. So uh, we'll jump in. Pentecost is one of the um, preeminent holidays of the Christian year, and it is best understood probably in its sequence, where it fits all of this is obvious, I know, but it's helpful to rehearse. First, of course, there was Easter tide, and we celebrated the bodily resurrection of Jesus and all of the ramifications it has for our hopes, for our futures, for our bodies. Uh, and then we had the ascension, where we celebrated the way that Jesus goes on to be with God the Father, to sit at his right hand, and to establish an actual place for us with God the Father, that that is indeed the goal. And then the Spirit comes, excuse me, Pentecost comes upon us, and it teaches us and presses us into a question that some of you, I would bet all of you have, but you might not have voiced before in just these words. It's this. If God is invisible, and he is absolutely holy, and thereby completely other, he is not creature, he is not made, but he is God in and of himself, and if Jesus also sits at the right hand of God the Father to rule over a world that he is redeeming, then where does that mean God is for us now? And I think that's a really valid question for us to ask. It's one that I hope we feel. Where is God for us now? Where do we actually see him at work? Where is his presence and how is it visible? Is it visible? And Pentecost actually gives us an answer to this question. It tells us and shows us that the active presence of God for us is through the Holy Spirit, who is not begotten, not made, but forever proceeds from both the Father and the Son, who is lively and quickening and quickens us to see him in each new and every moment. The, is the, the Spirit is the presence of God. That's the point. And if you are like most Christians, I think you're tempted to think of the Spirit in one of two ways. I've been both. The first one is that you might think of the Spirit in so abstract of terms that it really just becomes kind of a, a deposit for your hopes. This is the Spirit basically as, as Geist or, oh, excuse me, this is just the Spirit as a, a sort of affirmation of Christian tradition. The Spirit as idea. Not a person, but something you assent to because it's taught by the church. And then the second way that Christians, I think, get tempted to think about the Spirit is that he is just abstract enough that you can project all of your longings onto him. 
This is spirit as Geist, or as the universe, or as the spirit of the age. Uh, But simply, this spirit is mostly a rationale for your own longings, a way of projecting your hopes and desires. Again, both of these are easy to fall into. But the truth of the matter is, if you don't see the spirit as the third person of the triune God, then you will actually never see God. Do you realize that? The spirit is not just sort of a third wheel that you can kind of slough off and is arbitrary or maybe um, accidental. The spirit is the living presence of God for you and for me and for all of us. And if you miss that, you won't see God. You won't see him. That is, if you don't look for and live in the spirit, you will never see the power of God at work. And you might believe in God, you might know about the historical Jesus, you might say the creed without your fingers crossed behind your back, but you won't see God. Your faith will become a project, but it'll never be a life or a source of life. It'll never be streams of living water. And so this Pentecost, I just want to walk through us, through gently, a few suggestions of how we all might see God at work in the Spirit. And the first one is established in our gospel reading. Colin actually pointed this out to me. Did you notice in the gospel reading how before anything else happens, before the disciples say anything at all, the resurrected Jesus approaches those who have betrayed him and he says, peace be with you. Before they have a chance to say, I'm sorry, before they have a chance to get down on their knees He says, peace be with you, and he says it twice. And that's incredible news. I think most of us actually probably think of God the Father as one we need to get right with, but when we see God the Father through God the Son, we see that he is the first to make peace with us. He comes to find you, and he offers his peace to you. And the reason that matters is because if you don't make peace God the Father, through God the Son, you'll never recognize God the Spirit. So if you are interested in seeing the Spirit at work, you actually have to know Jesus himself. You have to know his person. You have to love him. You have to be attracted to him. You have to love the way he is in order to see the way the Spirit points to his person. Because that is one of the primary works of the Spirit, in fact. It's to point to the living Christ. It's to point to Jesus. And the Spirit, in fact, also shapes all of our hearts and the world we live in and our longings to conform to Christ himself as well. So the simple logic of it is, if you don't recognize Jesus, then you won't recognize the Spirit who lives among us. So if you have not received the peace of Christ then you won't recognize the Spirit. Receive the peace of Christ. Then you can look for the Spirit. Now, the other way to see the Spirit now is a little more uh, sobering. It's also good news, but it's good news like cold water is on your face in the morning. And it's this. It begins with this. Pentecost, as you all know, is is not only a a Christian holiday, but it was first a, a Jewish holiday. Pentecost marks the Feast of Weeks. The Feast of Weeks was the Jewish celebration was and is the celebration of the receiving of the law. You'll remember the scene. 
Moses goes up on to Mount Sinai. There's this huge pillar of fire that descends. There's smoke and there's lightning. And God writes the law on tablets of stone with his own finger. And then he gives it to the Jewish people to be almost as his presence in the wilderness. But the interesting thing here is the abiding significance of the giving of the law is that its ongoing practice, its abiding significance, that is, is far less dramatic than the earth-shattering and earthquaking reception of the law on Sinai. That is, the guiding word of God is given, and then it is the abiding presence of God's word for his people. A presence that they can obey and study and observe and carry. And I think that this is true for us as Christians as well with Pentecost. The day of Pentecost was certainly a day like none other. There was the fire, there was the smoke, there was the wind. There was the coming of the Holy Spirit. But then when the Spirit writes the law of God on our hearts, the abiding truth is far less dramatic than the giving. And this is just to say that all of our expectations that we might have about the Spirit, that he might fix all of our struggles or draw us out of our day-to-day lives or, or pull us into some sort of vision of our lives that doesn't involve suffering, those desires in our hearts won't be met. And that's actually good news. And this isn't to say that Christians shouldn't hope for a a, a revival or a sense of of deep urgency or the miraculous. In fact, we all should do that. And the Western church has largely forgotten how to do that. We should resurrect that practice. I'm all for uh, having church and parking lots, um, which we're doing today. Uh, So I'm all about that. But I think that it can be a temptation for us to turn to the Spirit and think that the Spirit will draw us out of the world will draw us out of our day-to-day existence. And I think that's largely a modern utopian vision, a temptation on our parts. Because the truth of the matter is, is the spirit is like the sun. And if you remember, the sun, Jesus Christ, works in and through the world. He doesn't hover over it. He comes down into it and redeems it from the ground up. He uses what God has made. And the Holy Spirit does the same thing. The Holy Spirit points to Christ and presses you into the details and the obligations of your life. He presses you into your commitments and into your friendships and into your vocations and into all that is set before you. And if you want to see him at work, don't look to something else. Look at your own life. Look at your relationships. Look at your neighborhood. Look at your calendar. There's where you will see the Spirit at work. And that is good news for us because any utopian vision you imagine will be nowhere as good as the vision that God has for your life. It will be nowhere as good. I have a mentor who said, we live in an age of utopian hopes, but the Spirit is not a utopian God. He is a redemptive one. And if you want to see him, look for where redemption and repentance and growth collide with the everyday and the mundane of your life and you'll see the Spirit of God at work. Maybe one of the better and more dramatic examples of this is uh, St. Augustine's conversion. Uh, It's a story that gets tossed around quite a bit. 
But it's worth reiterating here because it illustrates this point so well. Augustine, at his conversion, was around the age of 31, and he was living in Milan, and he had these yearnings in his heart. He was studying under, listening to the preaching of Ambrose, the great preacher of his era, and he was visited by some monks, and he was challenged in his thinking about God and what it looked like to follow him. And it pushed him to the brink of this, uh, what we would call a, a, um, a real... Um, what is it? It's a, 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 not just a crisis of faith, but a meltdown. He, he was on the, the verge of complete and total psychic meltdown. And so he's in his house, and he runs into the back of his yard, the garden. And then he breaks down under a tree, and he's weeping and weeping and weeping. And right in the middle of it, he hears the voice of a child say, Tole lege, take up and read. And so he interprets that as take up and read the scriptures and he picks up Romans 13 and his life is changed forever and he becomes a Christian and one of the more influential people to have ever lived. And so the question for us is, was the voice of that child over the wall just the voice of a child or is that the voice of the spirit? I think it was the voice of the spirit speaking through a child. And that's what you need to look for. Maybe you're not looking for fire and smoke. You're listening for the voice of a child who comes to you in the power of the Spirit. Keep your eyes open. The Spirit is at work in your life. Now, the last way to see the Spirit of God at work that I'd like to briefly touch on is, is simple, and it's to listen to other Christians. See, the, the beginning of the story of Pentecost, again, goes all the way back to the giving of the law like I said, there was fire and smoke, there uh, was heat and light. And this is what we see again. We saw fire and smoke manifest themselves as the holiness of God on Mount Sinai. Only Moses could go up there. And then at Pentecost, we see the fire and the smoke descend above the heads of every person present. And that's the point. We see the presence of God go, go from being up on the mountain to down to the people of God. Each Christian, by virtue of their baptism, becomes a bearer of God's spirit, becomes filled with God's spirit, and becomes integrated into the body of Christ, the animated presence of the Lord here in the world. And so each Christian becomes a vessel of speaking God's truth. Each spirit becomes a vessel for the Holy Spirit, for the lively, quickening word of the Lord. And this is really important for us, I think, on a day like today. It is easy to selectively hear the voices we would like to hear in an age of pretty severe uh, angst and division. But if you are a Christian, you have to listen to your brothers and your sisters. And you have to listen to your brothers and your sisters who are different from you. Whether that is economically or racially or whatever it might be, whether they're from the other side of the globe or your next door neighbor. If they are a Christian, they are not just the bearer of God's image. They are also a carrier of his spirit. And what you find out, your conclusions when you listen to your Christian brothers and sisters, I don't know what that's going to be. That's not for me to discern right here. It certainly won't be violence or, or anything like that, but it will challenge you, I'm sure. 
So if you want to see the Spirit of God at work in the world, listen to Christ's body. Listen to the people of God, who, those who are different than you. So this Pentecost, my, my challenge for y'all is simple. It's, it's threefold. Be at peace with God through Christ. Know what to look for as you search out the movement of the Spirit. It will always look like Christ. Second, look to the details of your life. The God of the Bible is not one who hovers above the world, but he sends his Spirit to work in and through the very details of your life to draw you to him. And third, listen to other Christians who are living in the power of God's Spirit. They will also be the voice of God for you. And what that looks like for you today could be a variety of things. It could feel like the, the Spirit is, is the turning crank on a vice where God is on one side and Jesus is on the other and you are in the middle and it will be a beautiful pressure. It could be that the Spirit is sweet, brings you comfort, as William Tyndale translated the name of the Spirit so long ago. Or it could you send you out into the world and his power to proclaim what God has done for you. But if you look, you will find him. And that's my prayer for all of us today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.